All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, I do encourage you to look with me in the book of Luke. The book of Luke this morning, and we'll look at chapter 2 briefly. I am so proud of every single one of these young men and women because they've been serving the Lord. You guys can just leave that be for now. (laughs) Thank you. So proud of them because they've put a lot of work and effort and each has pushed themselves beyond where they were already comfortable to do something new. Uh, And uh, when that happens, we certainly see we have to rely on the Lord in new and greater ways. So I'm very proud of them uh, for that. And my heart's been blessed just by uh, their obedience to the Lord and their serving him this morning. So this idea of discovering joy, there's so much that we could say about that. But in Luke chapter 2, one of the first places we hear of this joy coming is uh, after uh, the, the child has been born. Christ has been born. Uh, they're in a stable. There was no room or, or wherever they were at. He's laid in a manger there. And uh, this news, this event was announced to a group of people. Who was it announced to in in triumphant fashion? It was announced to the shepherds by an angel. And so Luke chapter 2, we look at verse 8. Luke 2 verse 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I told you that today we're on a quest, correct? What are we searching for during our service today? Yeah, that's right. We are discovering joy. And let me tell you this, when the angels came to announce that there was joy and that there was joy for all men, do you know where that joy was found? It was found first and foremost in the very presence of God. There is joy in the presence of God. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Well, how? Why do we know that? Where is this joy coming from? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. You see, God stepped out of eternity. He stepped out of eternity onto the pages of time and human history, veiling his glory, veiling all he is to take on flesh like you have and like I have. He took that upon himself. And as he came in the form of a baby, God was with us. Remember when Joseph first learned the news that, that his betrothed wife was going to have this child and he was ready to, to, to put her away. And a vision, of an angel appeared to him and he said, no, you're not going to do that because Emmanuel is going to be this child's name. Do you know what that means? It means God is with us. God will physically be present 
with his creation. And we see that message announced first to the shepherds that there will be joy because God is indeed with us. The very presence of God offers us and is the source of joy. And you know, as Christ grew from that babe, and we we learn in the book of Luke that he grew uh, in wisdom and stature among men and before God, and then he continued on. And if you have your Bibles, would you turn over a little bit later in the life of Christ to John chapter 15? If you have your Bibles, let's quickly turn to John chapter 15. Now, it's hard for me not to get too excited in this passage. I'm not going to go through the entire passage, but I want to point out a few things. This is a beautiful passage about our dependency upon God, and we see that brought out in verse 4. John chapter 15, verse 4, Christ is, is teaching his disciples, and this is at the end of his life. He's about to be betrayed before too long, and he, he is going to be off to the slaughterhouse, as it were, for him to pay the penalty that I deserved and that you deserved all the world. And in verse 1 of John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. We get down into verse 4, and he gives this invitation. He says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. God's desire for his children is to, for us to abide, walk in, rest in him alone and fellowship with him. Well, we go on and in verse nine, Christ says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he says this. This is where we make the connection. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you, all right? I am telling you that I have lived in eternal fellowship with my Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in perfect fellowship, communion, unity, the triunity of God But Jesus Christ, the living word, sent to this world to take on flesh upon himself. And at the end of his life, he's saying, in this life, in this very flesh, I have lived, I have abided perfectly in my Father's love. I have done as he has asked me to do. Why? Verse 11, these things I have spoken, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may remain be full. Christ wanted his believers. He wants his children to have joy. He has existed in a relationship of joy in that fellowship with the Father for all eternity. And then as a man, he experienced that joy and he wants us to walk in that, that same presence that you get when you have fellowship and unity with one another that produces joy in us. And that that goes on from there. Look with me in verse 12 and 13. He says this then, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have also loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
than to lay down one's life for his friends. I think it's really interesting that we know he's, he's foreshadowing and he is getting ready. He's talking about how he is about to lay his life down for the world. He is about to take the penalty of sin upon his own body that he did not deserve. And, but notice he hasn't done that yet, but what does he say at the, at the end of verse 12? He says, uh, love one another as I have loved you already. In his mind, it's a done deal. While he hasn't died on the cross yet, he knows that's where he's headed. And in his mind, it's already finished that he is about to sacrifice himself for the Lord. And then he describes that as greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. For us to have not just the, the presence of joy, having joy with the presence of God, not just as a baby here on this earth, but to have a relationship with God where we have the presence of God within us through his Holy Spirit. It took Jesus Christ living in that perfect fellowship, laying his life down on our behalf so we could enter into a relationship by faith through grace and what he has provided us. Quickly turn to the book of Romans chapter 5 with me. Romans chapter 5. We can't look at the story, at the historical account of the incarnation of Jesus Christ without looking and seeing what the purpose, the whole point of it was. The purpose of Christ coming in the flesh was to redeem us from our sins, to die and to pay the penalty that I deserve because of my sin and my wayward heart against the Lord. And it was this sacrifice that Christ was born for. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see, we can have joy in the presence of God because of the provision of God through Jesus Christ. He died on my behalf. He offers us all eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, that we can enter into a relationship with him by simply receiving, trusting, and accepting what he did on our behalf. And that is the start of joy. From there, once we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we continue to have the opportunity for our joy to be filled, overflowing, for our joy to truly be full. How do we have that joy? Because we have God himself 
dwelling within us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise that he says. If you were to look later on in the book of Romans, you don't need to turn there. But we connect the fact that we now have, through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living within us. Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because we have God dwelling in us, we have joy. Just a few verses later in chapter 15, verse 13, Paul concludes this. He says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have God's presence in our life. My challenge to us in this Christmas season, and it's been one of the greatest challenges uh, that has been impressed upon me at least this year uh, with these circumstances, is that much like these packages, that people, we all have had packages maybe waiting at the front door that we didn't realize had been delivered and that we were just oblivious to it, overlooking it, not truly receiving the gift that was already there. Now, I can look here and I can see most, if not all of us, I know because I've talked to you, you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Praise the God. You, you have his presence in you. The challenge then moves to we have God dwelling in us, and he's there waiting for us to walk with him, live life with him. But sometimes I can close the front door and never go outside and pick up the package that is God's grace, God's joy freely given to me so that I would be filled full of joy. But I don't always take the opportunity to go open that gift. So I challenge us all this morning that in discovering joy, we recognize that joy is found in the presence of God through the provision of God, but it is in his presence. So I challenge you, will you walk with God this season? With that, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for how you've uh, fulfilled your promises, uh, scripture, the prophecies, Lord, all of the accounts that we have of the incarnation of, of your son taking on flesh for us. Father, to me, the story never gets old. Father, and I marvel more and more as each year passes of your infinite wisdom, your loving kindness, your mercy, Father, your goodness to us. Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters that are here this morning. Father, for, for all of us, there are probably parts of our lives that aren't filled with joy. Father, we wish maybe our kids would call. Father, would we find our joy in your presence alone in turning to you with every thought, with every fear, with every hope, with every emotion, Lord. Would we turn to you and seek you in all things. Father, thank you for the gift of your joy. Thank you for the gift of life in Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's one here this morning or listening that has never trusted in the free gift that you've offered us through Christ, eternal life, Father, would today be the day that they simply trust that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose again, Father. Thank you for life and life eternal.
We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.